Welcome to the Hope on the Way podcast with Father John Ahmed. John is the coordinator for the Christian Ecumenical and Missional Society of St. Patrick and St. Aidan, and he's the founder of Hope on the Way Ministries. Now, join Father John and discover hope and relevant answers in following Jesus, who is the way and the truth and the life. Today's message is entitled, Dangerous Prayers and the Glory of God. And we're reading from Matthew 17, 1 through 2, and verse 5. After six days, Jesus took with Him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There He was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and His clothes became white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my Son whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. Listen to Him. Blessed transfiguration of the Lord's Sunday to you all. In today's Scripture reading, we see that Jesus revealed His glory. And the glory of God is the radiant manifestation of God's presence. And the analogy I like to use is as the rays of the sun is to the sun, so the glory of God is to God. Moses is told by the Lord when Moses asked to see the face of God, the Lord replies, no one can see what? My face and live. It's not possible. It'd be a glorious death looking at the face of God, but until we become incorruptible and are glorified like Jesus, we can't see the face of God. God as He truly is unveiled. But we can experience His glory as Moses did on the mountain and as Jesus revealed to His disciples Peter, James, and John. When the glory of God comes on a person, to a group of people, or to a place, it is a special, special happening. And in the case of the transfiguration of Jesus, the glory of God that was revealed that day was very, very, very special. It was very, very, very unique, and it was an intense manifestation. There are times in the life of the church and also recorded in sacred Scripture when we see the manifest presence and power of God fall on people, visit places, come upon groups, and we call these manifestations of God's glory revivals or renewals. Recently in the news, there has been a lot of coverage 
of an appearance of God's glory that's being called a revival at a university in a very small town in Kentucky, Asbury University. How many of you have heard about what's been going on? And Asbury University is a Wesleyan university. It's not a Pentecostal university. And my good pastor friend, he's a Methodist pastor, lives near Asbury University. About eight days ago, he went to visit the chapel to see what was going on there. And he assures me that there is indeed a manifestation of God's glory being poured out in that chapel on the Asbury campus. On social media especially, but even on the secular news media, this is being covered. And many people are responding very positively and they're saying, what's going on there in Kentucky? First of all, here's my sense of what's going on. Is that it is indeed a manifestation of God's glory. My pastor friend said it was a soaking manifestation where you could just sit in that chapel and an hour would seem like ten minutes. You just get caught up in the soaking love and peace of God because the glory of God is just soaking people. And so it is a special manifestation. But even more so, I think it indicates two things that you really need to note. The first one is that I believe that this indicates that God is answering prayers for those who have been praying for another generational revival. And to be honest, God can show up in His glory and His power wherever He wants to and He doesn't need my permission. But I'm thankful that He decided to show up in a university chapel. There's a reason He didn't show up in a church in this way. But God showed up in this time, in this season, in a university chapel. Why? Because He's saying to those of you, to those of us who have been praying for a generational awakening, that He is willing and ready to pour out His Spirit upon this next generation. And I think you should get excited about it, huh? Thank you, Lord. But it's just not unique about where God has decided to show up and publicize Himself in this season. But it's also about the response it's receiving. Again, my pastor friend tells me that there isn't a lot of physical manifestations or drama going on. It's just a soaking presence of the Lord. And the young people are responding. You go, what's the big deal about that? Oh, it's a big deal, folks. Because believe me, not everybody will respond. But these young college students are responding. Think about the average day in the life of a 20-year-old college student. 
hundreds of text messages every day on their cell phone. Many young adults can't even pull their eyes away from their cell phone for 10 minutes, but they're staying hours and hours and hours in the presence of God. They're responding. And that tells me that this generation is hungry for a supernatural outpouring of God's presence and power. Let me ask you this. Are you eager to welcome a visitation of the Holy Spirit with His glory in your church and in your own life? Are you eager? Yes or no? Some of you may be listening and going, meh, whatever. Then you're not eager. Yes or no? If you're eager, if you're eager, you need to understand some things about revival and renewal and a visitation of the Holy Spirit with God's presence and power and His glory. First of all, you need to understand is that people will react very differently and in varying ways when the glory of God comes, when there is a visitation of the Holy Spirit in His power and glory. As Forrest Gump said, you never... Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. And revival is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Because you're assuming, ah, people are going to be ecstatic about this. Excited. Of course, God showed up here. And that hasn't been the case all the time. Don't assume that when God shows up in His power and His glory, that people will react positively. Because some people and I've seen all these things firsthand, will react with fear. Now, the glory that was revealed on the Mount of Transfiguration, how did the disciples react to that glory? Freaked them out. It was fear. And maybe rightly so. That was, that was pretty intense. But there have been times in my own ministry where the glory of God has shown up in a very manifest, present, and powerful way at the opening of one of our services, that, that people, I saw people come into our building, make an immediate U-turn in, from the church building and leave. Nothing, nothing demonstrable was happening except worship and the glory of God manifesting. Some people react with anger. Get angry about it. They don't like what's happening. A lot of times when God's power and the manifestation of His glory, a visitation of the Holy Spirit comes, there is a bit of drama. And some people feel like church should be boring. If it's not boring, it's not spiritual. If you're not almost falling asleep, you see, because that, that's what makes you not carnal is your ability to stay awake during church. <laughs> how dare, how dare things have drama? Some people will react when the glory and power of God show up with fleshly manifestations. It's how they react to God's glory. And you may not be able to discern right away what those fleshly manifestations mean. It, it's happened in every revival in history. In the revival of the first great awakening with Jonathan Edwards, with Wesley, with Whitfield. In the revival of St. Francis of Assisi, there were physical manifestations. And sometimes, honestly, it's hard to tell what it is. 
Is it God? Is it just the body's reaction to God's presence and power? Is it a demonic manifestation? Sometimes it's hard to discern what's going on. Have you heard the term holy rollers? In the second great awakening, around 1800, Cambridge, Kentucky, well before the Pentecostal revival, people were noted to roll as the glory, power, and manifestation of the Spirit appeared. I saw that in India. I mean, this guy was rolling across the sanctuary. And folks, this was in a Baptist, Indian Baptist Bible college. This wasn't in a Holy Roller Pentecostal school. Well, on the flip side of this, there's people who will react positively. You'll see people in ecstasy. People like my pastor friend who said, I sat, I sat for an hour and it was like 10 minutes in the glory and presence of God and ash. Asbury, Asbury Seminary, excuse me, Asbury University. Some people will come under conviction. In the revivals of Whitfield and Wesley and Edwards, people cried out for mercy from God. And I've seen people under conviction as God's manifest power and glory appears. Sometimes, oftentimes, you'll see God's power break out. You'll see healings, sometimes even creative miracles, right before your eyes. And I'm just a no-name, nobody priest, and I just say this in all humility that the Lord has been so gracious to me to let me travel in different places in the world and, and witness firsthand His glory and power breaking out on people in Asia, in people in Africa, in people in India. And I want you to know, whether they're highborn or lowborn, whether they're educated or uneducated, when the Holy Spirit comes, it looks the same. He works the same. The manifestations are much the same. Some more intense, some less intense. Some more common, some less common. As I was preparing this message and thinking about the glory that was revealed in the transfiguration of Jesus, and thinking about God's, God's work in my own life and how He has given, given me this this desire to see the next generation touched by the power and glory of God because that's their only hope. Everything else has failed them. And I thought about the different times that I saw the glory of God come into a place where I was upon a people who I was with. And I recalled a time that my Dear wife Cheryl and I were together on a Friday night, and in our ministry, we had a young adult Bible study going on Friday nights at an apartment complex in a small one or two bedroom apartment. And 
I said, Cheryl, we need to go over there because I think God wants to do something in that apartment tonight with those young adults. And they had a nice Bible study. Cheryl and I just sat there quietly, listened, and well, it's a really good Bible study. The leader did a really great job. The young adults were, there was a camaraderie among them. There was very young adults there. There was probably maybe a dozen, 10 to 12 young adults. And they were at various stages of their interest in their walk with the Lord. And then it came time for prayer and the, the young adult leader said, does anybody need prayer? And, and uh, I think there was a couple prayers said, intercessory prayer. Then one young man said, I'd like prayer for my stomach. I've had this, this, uh, this pain in my stomach and it's been going on for quite a while. And I said, well, I'll pray for you. And I just gently, I said, can I put my hand on your stomach? And I put my hand on his stomach. And when I put my hand on his stomach, the Lord gave me a gift of command of faith. And you can't make this up. <laughs> you can't. It just comes. And I just commanded it to leave and for him to be healed. And instantly he was healed and the glory of God fell upon him and the heavens opened up and the glory of God came into that apartment. And you could see the glory. It was, the glory was manifest. The atmosphere, as my pastor friend described the glory in, in Asbury Chapel, that the atmosphere was thick with the presence of God. Sparkly and translucent. That was his exact words, my pastor friend. It was translucent and it was the same. It's the same all over the world when the glory comes. And suddenly, the Holy Spirit came on all of the young adults except one. And I'll tell you about that. But the young man was healed and he, he just collapsed. I didn't push him down. He just, he just shrunk into a puddle. It was just being soaked by the presence of God. One young lady who I knew, oh dear, dear, sweet young lady. But like so many of our young adults, just hurt by depression. And I looked over at her and, and she was jumping up and down like she was on a pogo stick. Like a little child. And she was laughing and giggling. And her face was was expressive with just the joy of the Lord. Others were, were had their hands lifted to heaven and, and just soaking in, in ecstasy. One young man who, who was interested but could never seem to make the commitment to the Lord, I looked at him and he was against a sofa in the furthest corner of the room with his back up against the, the wall, and he was in terror. Just in terror and fear. There was another young man, I'd never met him before. Him and a girlfriend, his girlfriend were sitting together, and and he was in tears. His head was in his, his lap, and his, his face was in his hands, and he was weeping. And I asked the Lord, I said, what's going on with this young man? I'd never met him before. 
And the Lord, the Lord gave me a word of knowledge and I went over to him. I said, the Lord is telling me that, that you were, had made a commitment to Christ, but now you've fallen away and the Lord, is, the Lord is convicting you of sin and wanting you to come back. Is that right? He goes, yeah, that's absolutely what God is doing. And his girlfriend was trying to console him. And when I said those words, she looked at me and if a look could kill, I'd be dead. She was angry. I'm not trying to impugn her character, but she was not committed to the Lord Jesus Christ and evidently had no interest in being even when the glory of God erupted. You see, this is indicative of how people react when revival comes. Some are all about it. Some are terrified. Some are just angry about it. How about you? Are you willing to to have a revival, a visitation of the Holy Spirit with the glory and power of God come into your life or your church? If there are any pastoral leaders, church elders listening to me today, I hope there is. I want to promise you something. It's going to be challenging to shepherd something like that. I know by personal experience, it's hard to shepherd. But I want to warn you, I want to warn you, those of you who say, yeah, I want the visitation of the Holy Spirit in my church. That if you try, pastor friends who are listening to me today, if you try to shepherd the Holy Spirit, He will leave. He will not be shepherded. And I've seen that. It's called control. If you try to control what the Holy Spirit wants to do, it's not going to work. If you're really serious about welcoming a visitation into your life and into your ministry, you have to understand that you need to be willing to have your life and your ministry and your reputation ruined. Does that not sound like the Word of God to you? You don't think God ruins your reputation, your ministry, your so-called life? How about Isaiah chapter 6? Heavens open up and Isaiah sees the Lord. And when he sees the Lord, what does he say? He says, I am what? Ruined. I'm ruined. Younger generation have a different expression. They say, the Lord wrecked me. And honestly, I'm not sure how many people are getting wrecked, but I like the expression. You see, if God does, let me reassure you this, if God does ruin your ministry, your reputation, if God does ruin your so-called life, I want to promise you this, that you're going to have more ministry, more favor with God, and more release of God's power and life into your ministry and life than you've ever had before. Because the more Jesus ruins your life, the more He can give you His. Does it sound right? Oh Lord, ruin me. Ruin me. That's a dangerous prayer. Are you willing to pray that one tonight? Isaiah? Ruin me, Lord. It's a dangerous prayer. You're going to see miracles if you'll do this. If you welcome the visitation of the Holy Spirit with signs and wonders and miracles, you're going to see them. But don't assume everybody's going to be into them. Don't even assume once they happen that people are going to, going to want to come back for more. In Jesus' ministry, when people were healed, sometimes they'd go out and they'd tell on Him. You remember these stories? They'd turn on Him. 
What was it? Ten lepers were healed and one came back and gave thanks? The rest went off in gratefully. If you're willing to accept a visitation of the Lord's power and presence and glory, you will see the lost have their come to Jesus moment. I promise you, they will have it. But even so, be prepared, they might not accept Him. Sometimes the slap in the face just gets your attention, but it doesn't get your commitment or correction. And for some people who are in that category of the lost, the lost little orphans of this generation who see signs and wonders and miracles and the power of God, some of them who are even touched this way, they may not give you any kind of fruitful response in the short term. The work that God begins in their life may not bear fruit in them until later in life. You see, because we assume that when God breaks out in signs and wonders and His glory and His power and His visitation, people are going to do what has been done at Asbury. That people are going to come from everywhere. But folks, I've seen just the opposite. I've seen the worst of all, which is indifference. Don't think that this is going to fill up your sanctuary on Sunday morning. It could empty it. But on the other hand, on the other hand, you may see a response that you have been wanting to see all your life. You may see another generational great awakening. That's my prayer. But unless we welcome the visitation of the Holy Spirit and His power and glory, there's no hope. There's no hope for these kiddos. You see, I believe what God is telling the church in His visitation in the Asbury University Chapel is that He's willing to visit this generation with His presence and power. But I also think He's definitely saying to those of you who are hungry for it, you don't have to catch a plane to Asbury to get it. He's willing to visit you where you are if you want Him to come. Why would He come in that way to you or to your church? Why would He do it? What would prompt Him to do it? Matthew and Mark in their Gospels imply something that Luke clearly states. That when Jesus went up to the mountain, He went to pray. He went to pray. And as I was preparing this message, and I've thought about this before, my wonder was this. What in heaven's name did Jesus pray? What was He praying about? Well, we could speculate. But whatever He was praying, the Holy Spirit and God the Father responded by opening the heavens and the glory came. The glory came. In the life 
of the church and the witness of sacred Scripture is that God often reveals His glory in response to desperate and dangerous prayers. And I think Jesus knew He was going on that journey to the cross and He went up to that mountain to pray some dangerous and provocative prayers. Desperate prayers. And you can see those kinds of prayers in the life of the church and in sacred Scripture. In Isaiah 6, 8, the young man Isaiah has heaven open upon him and he says, here I am, send me. That's a dangerous prayer. In 1904, a, a young Welsh man got on his knees in a chapel and prayed, Lord, bend me. A dangerous prayer. And a great revival broke out before World War I, which led to an even greater revival before World War I that we call the Pentecostal Revival. In May of 1980, a former hippie and discouraged Jesus freak was invited to preach at a Sunday evening service in Anaheim, California. Those of you who have been in the church for a while, you understand that Sunday evening services are the minor leagues. He was invited to preach in the minor leagues. And at the end of his Sunday evening message, the discouraged young man said, we've been grieving the Holy Spirit long enough. I want all the young people, the young adults, anyone under the age of, I don't know what he said, if it was 30 or 25, come, come up to this, this, this chancel, this platform, and I'm going to pray for you. And they came up and he prayed, Come, Holy Spirit. And the heavens opened in response to that dangerous and desperate prayer. And a multitude had come to Christ since because of it. I believe that this generation, it's time to stop the business as usual and begin to pray desperate and dangerous prayers that we are willing to face the consequences of. Should we dare pray one together? Don't pray it unless you mean it. It's okay if you just want to think about it. But if you're willing, pray it with me. Are you ready? Bend us, Lord. Let Your will be done. Come Holy Spirit, manifest to us, among us, in us, and through us, and reveal the glory of Jesus to this lost and orphaned generation. Amen. You've been listening to the Hope on the Way podcast with Father John Ahmed. We invite you to subscribe or follow this podcast on your preferred podcasting platform. To find out more about Hope on the Way Ministries and Father John, 
check out our website at hopeontheway.info. That's hopeontheway.info. Now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the companionship of the Holy Spirit be with you always. Amen. Amen.